Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, we've got another fun guest, another guy you know quite well, better than most, a guy who played for you for two years, also played some baseball at Weston. I'm really excited to catch up with tonight's guest. Yeah, Kyle Weiss, uh, you know, great two-sport athlete at West. And, uh, you know, when I came, I think it was his junior year when I arrived uh, back at West to take over the football program. And Kyle was a wide receiver for us and uh, just a, you know, you know, gritty, hardworking, overachiever kid that just, uh, you know, wanted to do whatever, you know, he could do to help the team win. You know, he could punt the ball, he could throw the ball, he could, he could, you know, catch the ball. He, you know, he was a, he was just one of those guys that was always willing to put the team first. And uh, uh, so really excited. Uh, it wasn't a surprise to me that, you know, he ended up uh, pursuing a coaching career. His grandfather, uh, Bob Weiss, was a, a really successful uh Division three coach at uh, WPI in Worcester. And uh, so uh, not, not surprising that Kyle took the coaching path, but uh, excited to have him on tonight and, uh, and uh, you know, reminisce a little bit about uh, the good old days. Yeah, we can't wait to catch up with Kyle Weiss, but before we do that, it's time to catch up with the producer, Mike O'Brien. Mike, tell everyone how they can stay connected with Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. You can stay connected with the podcast by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Wes underscore athletics and on Facebook at Wesleyan.athletics. You can also subscribe to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score on Apple Podcasts, and you can contact us directly by emailing athletics at Wesleyan.edu. Speaking of athletics, don't forget you can also uh, connect with me directly on Twitter at ChrisGrace82. Coach and Mike, you know both of you. We've got some life on campus. We've got some athletics coming up. By the time maybe this podcast airs, some Cardinals are going to be playing live sporting events. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're excited to, uh, to uh, get our spring teams back out there competing in, in an abbreviated season, but uh, nevertheless, uh, really happy for our coaches and our, and our spring athletes that uh, we can resume competition. Yeah, and I had a quick look at the schedule. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, all the spring sports teams are going to have some chances to, to uh, play on, on, online on the Northeast Sports Network. Like we webcast a lot of the games. So make sure that you uh, tune in. I'd be broadcasting a couple games and try to get Coach, you know, to join me. But uh, getting Coach to, you know, to come on on a Sunday is tricky. That's tricky. So those well, Sundays you, you never know. I might, I might surprise you. But the one thing I do want to make sure everyone knows is uh, – you know, we, we really want you to to, uh, to watch the games on the webcast because right. campus is campus is still closed and we are not uh, allowing, unfortunately, are not allowing visitors to come, uh, spectators at, at any home games. You have to be enrolled in the university testing program to be able to uh, to be a spectator at a game. So please, uh, you know, join us and support us uh, uh, on the uh, webcast. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, we're excited to get uh, – the voice of uh, Wesleyan Athletics back and uh, put him back to work, Chris Grace. Uh, he does a fantastic job. And if you, listen to, if you listen to Chris, it'll be just like being there. That's right. I look forward to it. So as this one airs, I'll probably be too late. But uh, you know, I got the Sunday package. So if your team is playing on Sundays, you can tune in to me. Unfortunately, I have a pre-existing commitment for Saturdays. But I'll be back in the fall with a little bit more flexibility. But uh, that's enough of that. For now, it's time to, to check in with our guest. Class of 2012, he is currently the running backs coach for the UConn Huskies. He is former football and baseball standout, Kyle Weiss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. As always, joined by the coach, Mike Whalen, the producer, Mike O'Brien. I'm Chris Grace. Our guest tonight, a former Cardinal football and baseball standout, he is the current running backs coach at the University of Connecticut. He is Kyle Weiss. Kyle, welcome to our Thank podcast. you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. We're just fired up. I'm fired up to have another guy that can tell me some, some stories about uh, the glory days playing for, for my co-host. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll dig a little deeper, you know, and get some actual, some actual dirt. I've been trying to dig up dirt. We're like 20-plus episodes in, and 
Just all nobody has anything but great things to say about the coach. There's got to be some dirt out there. There's a there's a uh, there's a strong code of silence that, that, <laughs> that, that that's out there that uh, tough tough to uh, tough to break. Yeah, it'll be tough. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kyle, uh, you know, what we try to do every single show is, you know, first thing we want to talk about is is Wesleyan. So we want to know, of course, how did you make your way to Middletown? How did you end up being a Cardinal? How did you end up playing football and baseball for Wesley? Um, well, you know, I knew about the NESCACs in high school because my, my dad and grandfather both went to Tufts and played football at Tufts. Um, and so, you know, I looked at Tufts. Um, then I looked at Amherst, Williams, uh, Bates, and Bowden. Um, never really looked, you know, kind of right down the road at Wesleyan. I grew up in southeastern Connecticut and uh, never, never checked out Wesleyan. Um, and I went to uh, the New England elite camp one summer. Um, it was at like Lexington high school and outside of Boston. And uh, I had, it was a seven on seven deal and I was having a great day. And I think it was uh, coach Mandigo saw me that day and I said, Hey, why don't you come take a trip up to Wesleyan? You know, it's not too far down the road. And um, I was kind of deep into the college search. I hadn't even thought of Wesleyan and, um, so I agreed to just take a visit. He kind of pressed me over a couple weeks calling me and um, I came up there and I liked my first kind of visit and I did a overnight uh, during the football season. I think it was a Colby game. And, uh, you know, I, I will say it was I, my host that night was a guy by the name of Justin Freres. Uh, he was a freshman at the time from California. Um, his roommate was Joe Giamma, um, who was a freshman quarterback. And those guys were both in the or about to be in the Deke fraternity. Um, I just remember that that whole day and night with those guys was awesome. I had spent the night at Bowdoin, um, you know, and I just I was going to Bowdoin at that time in my mind if I could get in. And after spending the night with those guys and you know being around the team, and I remember a senior Vinny Colangelo, just some characters, and uh, you know I kind of fell in love with the place, and that's really what did it. I remember sitting there on Saturday night at, it was like 9 p.m. We're sitting in the dorm room, listening to some stupid song and, uh, you know, Justin's dancing and, and Joe Giamo looks at us and says, all right, guys, I'll see you guys, you know, probably about 11. I got to go to the library and do a little work before I go out. And I just, that has stuck with me forever. It's Saturday night at 9 p.m. And Joe Giamo was like, hey, I got to, you know, do a little bit of work before I meet you guys out. And um, I was like, man, this place is, is for real. These guys are serious. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was really that night. And Justin will tell you, it, he's the reason I went to Wesleyan. So um, I fell in love and, uh, you know, that's kind of how I ended up there. Hey, Kyle, um, you, know, you mentioned both your dad and your grandfather went to Tufts. Was it a situation that you kind of wanted to go on trail, you know, you know kind of blaze your own trail or, you know, because I know, you know, that's, uh, that's a situation I encounter a lot of times when, you know, there's a strong family connection. Sometimes kids, you know, decide they want to follow that path. Sometimes kids decide they want to do something different. For you, was it was it something that you, you know, how, how did you how did you navigate that process? Yeah, I think uh, you know my my dad and grandfather they didn't put too much pressure on me to uh, you know you know just driving toughs into my brain all day. Um, you know, but Coach Samco was the head coach at the time, and he was my dad's linebacker coach. So. They kind of they they were friends they they were close, um, and for some reason my dad couldn't make the trip so it was just my mom and I that day, and I went up there I remember walking on the tour up and down the hill you know from the <laughs> athletics to the academics to the dorms and you know for some reason I, I I'm not a city guy really to be honest and being around Boston and maybe now I would love it but at the time coming out of high school um, it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't the greatest. I mean, I remember the one thing I loved about it was that some, some girl sold me on some study abroad program. And then I got home and was like, I'm not going abroad. I'm playing <laughs> two sports. Like, what am I thinking? And, and, you know, it just wasn't, I didn't fall in love with it. Like I did. I, I love the main schools when I went up there and checked them out. Um, but then, you know, Wesleyan, Wesleyan stole the cake. I mean, ultimately I just hadn't been there. Right. Um, the only time I'd been to Wesleyan was, one time we were driving through when I was a little kid and my dad, uh, you know, said, Hey, I bet you there's a football game up here. You know, we should check it out. I, I might've been 10 years old 
and uh, we pulled up to up Willis Ave there by, uh, you know, where Uzdan is, and we got out of the car, and it was uh, the the cards were playing Colby one Saturday at like noon or something, and um, my dad's like, you could play here someday. I remember thinking, there's no way these guys are huge. I know, <laughs> as a little kid, I can't play here, <laughs> and it that was when I was 10 and, and I hadn't been back to the place since. So uh, once I got back on campus and saw campus and got around the people and the, just a melting pot of characters and people from all over the country and world. And I just thought that was awesome. I mean, yeah, that, and then, that sold and then, it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned the two sports, how, how much did that factor in, you know, having the opportunity to, to do both? That was, um, that was a big deal. Um, I remember, you know, my grandfather saying, why don't you, you know, maybe think about trying to get to an Ivy League school. Um, and I remember I talked to the Brown baseball coaches, but I wasn't, I don't think at the time or, or ever was going to be a Brown football player and contributor. Um, and to me, I was, I couldn't choose between baseball and football and coming to Wesleyan, you know, at the time it was coach Hauser and, and Woody was there and, um, you know, Woody, Woody was absolutely like, hey, man, you come. We'd love to have you on the baseball team. We've got Justin Freres, who I, who I stayed with that night. And I think, you know, that was probably strategic um, on the, in the coach's standpoint. And, you know, Justin talked about, you know, how excited he was to be able to play both sports. And that was something because of that opportunity, I wasn't giving that up. And then, you know, a little bird in my ear was like, I don't think I want to play baseball in Maine um, if I don't have to. You know, that doesn't sound too fun. I mean, Connecticut's enough, it's got enough snow to, to fight through in April anyway. So, um, you know, I think the ability to play two, two sports, I think that became a major focus when I was deciding schools. And, um, you know, I just, I kind of hit it off with Woody the first time I met him. And, you know, we're, we're still close to this day. He's been a great mentor. And um, I think, you know, I wouldn't have done it any other way. And I, I think, you know, that's kind of helped me get to where I am now. And um, my grades were always good, always the best they were when I was in sport. Um, it was the times when I wasn't playing a sport that I kind of slacked off everywhere else. And uh, so I kind of knew that about myself. I needed, I needed that structure. And uh, to have the opportunity to do it at Wesleyan, um, I thought that was, you know, a dream come true. So you mentioned Mark Woodworth, who's been involved with the Wesleyan baseball program forever and, and as a player and, and as an assistant and, and obviously now as the manager slash head coach. Um, go ahead. Give, give me your, give me your, give me your best Woody story. Cause we haven't gotten to talk about Woody since uh, I think since our first, our first episode with Jed Hoyer. So I want you to oh, tell man. me your, your first thing. I know him very well. Also, I know <laughs> coach does. We're all smiling. This isn't on, on the air, but you gotta uh, just, just give the, the one of him ripping me ground balls at midnight. In yeah, Arizona. so tell that story. So tell the story. You come into Wesleyan. We were talking about this beforehand. Yeah. You come to Wesleyan as an athlete, as a football player, as a baseball player. In your first two years, you patrol, you patrol the outfield, right? Center field. Right. Yep. And um, so then my junior year, uh, we, you know, we spend the month of February in the indoor, and we had an all-freshman infield. And I'll, I know a lot of those guys, they ended up being great players um, after I was gone. And um, But there, it was all-freshman um, kind of – you know, untapped talent that you kind of unknown talent and just young and, you know, 18 years old and not much leadership in the, in the infield. And, and we played maybe five games that spring out in Arizona and it wasn't going well in the infield. And I remember Woody's van. So everyone, there were like five vans out there on the spring trip and a couple of coaches drove a van, maybe a senior had to drive a van and Woody had a van. And it was the, the, what do you call it? The, the truth van or the van of truth. And like, you know, if you had to go in Woody's van, like you were having real conversations. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I remember myself and Mike Barsati that night, who was a great pitcher uh, for Woody and a classmate of mine. It was myself and Mike Barsati and Woody's, in, Woody's driving. It's just the two of us. It was never a packed van. And, and uh, not a lot of people wanted to experience the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, so he's, he was, he was open with us. And that was the great thing about Woody. He would be very open with the players and, you know, you know, Hey guys, you know, it's not going well. Uh, I think we struggled early on and, you know, he, he, he was interested in Mike and my, my opinion. 
And I think, you know, everybody kind of agreed there needed maybe something had to change in the infield. Um, the guys were young. It was all freshmen. And, and I, I kind of said, hey, you know, I don't know if it was joking. I, I probably, part of me was like, I could play shortstop. And, you know, Woody's like, yeah, you know, how do I know you could play shortstop? I was like, well, I did it in high school. He's like, yeah, that's not good enough. He's like, I got to, you know, I got to hit your ground balls, this and that. And I was like, well, let's do it. And, or he might've said, let's go do it right now. And I said, right now it's 12 o'clock. We just played a double header. It was midnight and we're driving down, you know, we're in like Tempe or something. And he pulls over to like a park. It's just got the orange kind of low light street lights in the grass. I mean, I could barely see the baseball and he's, you know, 40, 50 feet away from me, <laughs> ripping me balls. Mike Barsati standing next to him. I'm tossing the balls back and he's just ripping them, ripping them. And it was just silence, just ground balls and silence for, I don't know how long he goes, all right, let's go. And the next day on the lineup card, I'm playing shortstop. So I mean, that was, that was it. And I mean, we, we made it through the year. I can't, I, you know, I can't remember how, how we finished that year, but I know I had probably 20 errors, you know. So, <laughs> so here, here's the real question, Kyle. Did you line up your senior year? Were you, were, were you playing shortstop your senior I, year? I was. I was. I was playing right. shortstop senior that's year. Good. Yeah, that's, so good. See? I, that's, that's the most Woody thing ever because he is a deep thinker, but he's also impulsive, and he's not afraid to yeah. – he's not afraid to take – risks man and like no, he's you not. know if something doesn't work out he's gonna change it up but he's also gonna think outside the box a little bit man he's 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 uh yeah exactly yeah it, it worked out man i i enjoyed it you know i think uh at times it was a little stressful in there but you know we had a second baseman andrew yin who was a freshman who ended up being an awesome player and i remember what he made in my roommate and you know i just kind of became close to him and um i think that I think what he did, it made us – I think it made us a better team, um, despite my errors. Maybe those errors wouldn't have happened, but um, I think as a whole we were better. And we had some younger athletes that could also play in the outfield. I don't know if Donnie Semino was a freshman yet. It might have been the following year. Um, where So we had guys that, you know, could go out there and play in the outfield and, you know, how, how Donnie was. He was awesome. And I think uh, it just – moving the pieces around a little bit – put the nine best guys on the field, I think. And I think that's how it, uh, it worked out. So talk about, sorry, coach, one last thing here about, about baseball. Talk about playing baseball and football in college on the, in the exact same place. Oh, and I don't mean at, at Wesley. Yeah. By the way. I mean, no, in the exact same literally place. in the same ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I, I didn't mention that. I, my dad and I thought when we were, when I was looking at schools, um, that might have been the coolest venue so cool. to play a home game at anywhere I've seen, anywhere I've seen. I mean, you know, with the library, I mean, it's just bracketed by two beautiful buildings, the football field, you know, and then the outfield when you're, when you're hitting and you're looking at that outfield, it's college row or North college. I mean, it's, there's not many places like that in the, in the world. And uh, you know, that was huge. And then playing baseball with the, you know, Wesleyan crazies up on the hill, you know, yelling at you and, you know, Nick Sierra and the, and all the football guys doing roll call, you know, I mean that on Saturdays and, you know, that was awesome. You know, part of you is like, Oh man, I want to be up there with the football guys. But then <laughs> looking back on it now, it's like, I would never give that up. Um, you know, that those were the best, the best times, the best times. And the oh, tailgate. Yeah. And the tailgate for football, I mean. Can't beat him. Can't beat him. Dave, Dave Weiss, he was like, that's his favorite thing in the world. Pull right up to the stands. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I have to see if you remember, because uh, I remember. So, I think it was your, it was our first year. So, it was your junior year. And, uh, you know, complete new system, the whole deal. And, and so, uh you know, I knew coming in that, you know, again, you know, I think, you know, that, that um, you know, we were going to have to change some things up, put to move some people around, you know, all those kinds of things. And, you know, obviously what, what Shea Dwyer was able to do at running back and, you know, help us establish that running game and keep our defense off the field a little bit. And, you know, you know, I thought, 
that 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 season finishing 500 was was a great season for us. But I remember going up to Bates. Was that your junior year? Yeah, yeah. And we went up to Bates your junior year, yep. and it was you know always traveling up to Maine. And I would tell the guys all the time, and and you know just saying you know hey that you know it's just never easy to go to the state of Maine. You know it's never, never. easy, and yep. it doesn't matter if Bates hasn't won a game or you know, whatever, like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be a dog fight and, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get bad officiating and the food's going to stink. And I would create the most, most dismal picture possible. to get Where we ate, where we eat right next to that holiday inn and that weird restaurant right off the freeway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so we go up there and, you know, just as I predicted, it's almost like I will, you know, we're sleepwalking in the first half. We're just, We're just we're just sleepwalking and 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 uh, and I'm like, what? Well, we got to do something here. What I got to do? What are we gonna do? And we had practiced this double pass, oh, and and, yeah. and we and and I, I you know again just just uh, like I said to the receivers, I said, okay, who can throw? And of course, every receiver raises their hand. Like everyone <laughs> says, oh yeah, coach, I can. I'd throw, be I disappointed. I'd be disappointed if they didn't. Right. So of course we had tryouts. We had tryouts, yeah. and so so Kyle. You know, he emerged as the winner. So he was the guy that was going to throw the double pass. And we practice it, we practice it, and we practice it. And it got to the point where those guys were like, Coach, are you ever going to call this in a game? You're not really going to call this in a game. And so we're up at Bates, and we're struggling offensively to get something going. And I just called the double pass. I just called it. Everyone kind of looked around. Kyle was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We're out here. Yeah. Let's do it. So we throw the double pass. You know, quarterback throws it to Kyle. Kyle catches it. Plants. Guys wide open. I think it was Madera. It was the Madera. It was Madera. 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 I got yeah. a pretty good memory. I yeah. can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can yeah, remember. Me neither. And, and you let it go. But the point, the thing that we never practiced was the defender coming up and delivering oh. a right oh. punch right in the face. <laughs> oh, I still you, feel that. You took still a feel shot. It. <laughs> shot. But I'll tell you, you hit the guy in stride. It was a great ball. Oh. And, and, and it completely like changed the momentum of the game and we came back and yeah. we came back and won the game hold on so did you guys did you did you get six on the play or what yeah we got oh, six, nice. 80 yards for six yeah and pete and pete uh i think he made a better catch than you're making it sound i mean i i just remember being on my back and going there's no <laughs> way this thing's being caught i mean <laughs> and then i think coin that was like a walk-off touchdown by matt right yeah I mean, he, he yeah. ran a he ran like a quarterback sweep or something like a bootleg. Naked. It was a naked. Yeah, naked. Naked on the, the goal game. line. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That that yep. was a dogfight. Yep. Man. Yep. I threw more touchdown passes in college than I caught. <laughs> That's my favorite stat. <laughs> I think I threw three and I caught one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's so I mean, for receivers, you're probably the all you're probably the all time leader in terms of passer rating in receivers in Wesleyan history, I would imagine. That you know, that could be true. That could be true. Uh, so, so talk about playing for Coach Whalen after having you know played for a different coach for two years. What was what was it like playing for Coach Whalen? What was the what was the culture shift like? You know, what was the what was the what was it like in the room? It uh, it became the football program I think that I was kind of yearning for. Um, you know, before I get into that, I just I got to tell the story. When I was in my summer after junior year of high school, I went up to Williams. I drove myself up and took a tour, did the whole thing. And um, I met Coach Whalen, and I came home that day. Like, I want to go to Williams. Like, this is where I want to be. And, uh, you know, but I don't think – I don't know if I could have gotten in or, or at the time or what it might be. And it, it wasn't promising. But, Coach, you said I could come back and do a, you know, workout at a camp. But it, was, it wasn't a recruiting camp. It was, a, it was like a local kids camp. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I came up there, and in the first 20 minutes, I was doing like a release drill. I broke the front two knuckles on my throwing hand, doing a release in the camp. And so I leave the camp after like 20 minutes, drove home, broken hand, the whole thing. And so, yeah. So Williams was done in my mind, you know. (laughs) Anyway. This was before your senior year? Yeah, before my senior year. Yeah. Luckily, it was early enough that I I missed like a preseason season game in high school and I, I never missed a, a regular game but I just I'll never forget that and it, it wasn't meant to be you know it wasn't meant to be and so then I ended up junior year I remember they announced your hire and I was like heck yes I get to play for this guy you know 
because I'd heard about the winning and the culture and the success that you'd had up at Williams. And I was, I'm a, I was a football junkie, a sports junkie, and I wanted to be around. I, I hated losing. Um, you know, I hated losing. I think uh, it was enticing at first in high school to go to Wesleyan because they threw the ball 60 times a game. And as a receiver, I was like, sure, heck yeah. And I think, uh, I think we might've won three games in the first two years. And, you know, I've been around losing teams and it's hard. It's really hard to, you know, I wanted to learn more and be pushed and, and the expectations to be higher. And I think the day, the first meeting you walked in to talk to the team, you could tell the expectations were where a lot of us kind of wanted them to be. Um, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, we knew that it was going to be a little bit of a culture shock and a, and a, you know, you know, a long road ahead of us. But um, I think, you know, I like to, I like to think that the, my, my class and the class above me, uh, the Freres, Nick Sierra, uh, P. Modera, I think we were very, very close as two classes. And I think uh, we kind of bonded with you and, uh, you know, kind of helped, helped kind of get the, the ball rolling in, in terms of culture and, and the direction of the program. And I think going 500 that first year um, with Coin coming in and Pete and myself and Shea was there that first year, right? Yep. And I mean, I think for us, for that group of guys to do that and go 500 after being perennial losers, um, that, that meant the world to, oh, it was, to us. It was, it was an amazing yeah. season, far, far exceeded our expectations. And, and again, you know, all those guys you mentioned, including yourself, were, again, you, you, you know, for us as coaches, you know, coming in and, and uh, you, know, I, you know, we saw it as well in terms of, you know, feeling like guys were buying in, guys wanted, you know, to, 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 uh, uh, to, do, what we, to do, the, do it the way we were asking you to do it. And, and again, it was, it was um, you, know, you know, again, we knew it was a process. We knew it was going to be, um, you know, it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, something that would, you know, would, wasn't going to happen overnight. And quite honestly, we knew that, you know, at that particular point, you know, we were going to have to shorten games as coaches. We were going to have to figure out ways to shorten the game which obviously was run the football and, uh, and then, you know, play good defense. And, uh, no you know, we had, we had a great staff and, you know, I think, I think, you know, that offensive line that, that, that I inherited there, um, you know, we moved a couple of guys around, but, you know, um, just, just, you know, having guys that, you know, wanted to work hard and, and uh, you know, again, as you mentioned, you know, throwing the ball 60 times, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, yeah. offensive linemen want to get down on the stance and they want to block no. people. And no question. Uh, I think a lot of people were shocked that, um, you know, we were as successful running the ball and, you know, having Coach Sid come in, you know, from Yale and, you know, put in his run game and, um, you know, having, having, uh, having Shea just, uh, you know, kind of lead the way for us, really gave that old line a lot of confidence. And, and uh, you know, we were finding ourselves uh, really controlling the football and, you know, right. You know, he had the, he had, uh, you know, this, this, he still has the season record for most yards and yeah. rushing yards in a season and, and the most rushing yards in a ball game. So, um, you know, it was, it was just great to, and again, you know, from a receiver standpoint, you know, what I was really impressed by, by you and Madera and others was that your willingness to transition from guys who were catching the ball to guys who were going to go out and block, you know, no go question. out, and, you know, get dirty and, 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 you know, and take as much enjoyment of, you know, blocking on a long run for Shea as you would have making a catch for a long run for yourself, you know, no and that doubt. kind of, that kind of unselfishness is what enabled us to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, to go for and for that first year. And, and again, really set the tone. And then, and then like you mentioned, attract, attract recruits like Donnie Samino and, and other guys to come and believe that we were going to turn it around. Oh yeah. By the time my senior year, you could tell the talent was different coming in the young guys. And, you know, it was, you could tell that the, it had been flipped, you know, we flipped the whole thing on its head and it was, it was good to be a part of that. And now as being a coach, having that experience of going from one staff to another and just being able to see a whole nother, you know, philosophy and a whole nother program essentially. And, you know, how, how to win, you know, that, that, that's so valuable. And I look back on my college experiences and, you know, yeah, I didn't play at the division one level where I'm coaching at, but you know, there, there's a lot of ways I can relate to guys, especially if we're not winning, um, especially trying to change a culture and what it takes to 
the buy-in and, and make those changes and, you know, explaining that the benefits can be, that stuff, those memories will last forever. And when I think back on the seasons, I never, I can't remember plays, you know. I just remember the feelings that you get with the guys. You know, you don't remember, like, that double pass. The only thing I remember is being on my back, you know. <laughs> and I remember seeing it on tape the next week watching the film. Yeah. You know, that's about it. Yeah. But, you know, I remember the, the bus rides and the, you know, coming home with a W from Maine. And, and it just, those, those are the things you remember. And it was all that in that culture change, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. You know, there's this great, this great video that just went viral during the NCAA tournament of this former Boston College basketball player. I don't know if you saw this. And I think people were putting it like as a joke to make fun of Boston College basketball. But someone says to him, you know, they had just gotten knocked out of the ACC tournament from like six years ago. What are you, you going to miss most about, you know, what's your best moment as a Boston College basketball player? And the guy, you know, he's breaking up. He gathers himself and he goes, Going out to eat, man. Going out to eat. <laughs> I, I feel him, man. I feel it. And, was, and like, I looked man. at it two ways. I was like, you know, that's a. It's funny because like they didn't have any marquee wins or anything like that. But I played on some bad teams along the way. I'm sure you have too. Like, it's those things, you know, that you can't do again. Like, you're lucky yeah. enough that you're coaching, so you're still kind of around it. I've coached some too. And you'd be around it. It rejuvenates you, but you can never go back to whether it's high school or college. You can't go back to those times. It is no. eating. It yeah. is having food. It is doing things with your boys. Yeah, and I try telling the kids now. It's like, guys, like, you may be, like, hemming and hawing that you got to wait in this line to take a COVID test, but, like, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. You know, make fun of something. Make fun of each other. Like, you know, that these are the things you're going to remember. These are what you're going to remember. The bus rides, the hanging out in the locker room, you know. And, and I just try to remind those guys, like, this isn't forever. Telling you, this isn't forever. So, so you you get to your senior year, and you know you you, you finish playing, and and uh, you know what what um, you know what pulled you towards coaching? What was I mean? And and I guess I I think I think you know starting point would be you know kind of telling everybody who your grandfather uh, you know you know his his coaching career, obviously very very successful college coach, and and you know did that influence have was did that you know, have some influence on your decision to get into coaching? Yeah, I think, I think so. I knew, you know, co football was always big growing up. He, uh, you know, he coached at Fitch High School in Connecticut, New London High School, and then WPI. And um, I kind of knew all about his, his coaching career, obviously, uh, growing up. And, you know, ironically, he was at UConn from like 1969 to 1971. Um, he was an assistant there. And um, so I, he was always in my ear about playing, um, never really encouraged me to go and be a coach. You know, I think to be honest, he told my dad not to coach, um, <laughs> you know, he, he wouldn't let him. I think my dad wanted to, but you know, he kind of said, Hey, you went to Tufts. You just graduated from Tufts. Go get a real job. Um, and, uh, and so when I was, I think it was more of football was coming to an end and, you know, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't live without it. And, um, you know, and I, I was looking at things and I said, you know what, if I'm going to try it, I might as well go, you know, all in right now. And if it doesn't work out, you know, which I really never thought, like, if it doesn't work out, I didn't want to think that way. Cause I knew if I thought that way, I would, it, it was going to get hard and I would, I would want a way out. Um, but I just said, I might as well do it now. If something happens and doesn't work, I'll still be young, you know? And uh, so it's about that senior year. I just started asking you. I think I talked to you um, and Woody, and I was just sending cold emails, cold calls, and just trying to get a. At the time, I thought what I was going for was a GA job, you know. And I remember I, my first job I applied for was at Utica College in upstate New York, and I sent the email that you know the whole thing. I was interested in the GA job, and maybe like. Six months later, I'd already gotten my first job, but I get an email back from Utica. It was a reply all email. It was like, are you still interested in the GA job? And the email was went out to like 280 kids trying to get the <laughs> GA job. I, I just remember looking at the names of where all these kids were from trying to get the job. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? And uh, so I, I kind of knew senior year that that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't know if it was baseball or football. 
I knew it was football, but I didn't know if I wanted to give up baseball yet. And I didn't have to. Um, luckily, I was early on, I could coach both. Um, and so, yeah, I, my grandfather probably to this day still would say, ah, I didn't want you to do this. You know, you know, this is a tough life. Yeah. <laughs> He'd still yeah. tell me that. Yeah. And so your first, your first coaching job, you went out West, right? I did. I went out to Pomona College, um, Pomona Pitzer. It's uh, it's like the Claremont schools out there in Claremont, California. Very similar to the NESCACs. I mean, I would say they're the West Coast version of the NESCACs, except it's five colleges within, you know, a block of each other in a nice little beautiful town, um, palm trees, the whole thing. And um, so Pomona College and Pitzer College, they combined for an athletic department. Um, and, um, you know, I – I went out there, I coached football and baseball the first two years. Um, I was the wide receivers coach for two years in football and a, you know, like a bench coach in baseball. And I got to say, after a couple of years of coaching baseball, I couldn't do the double header Saturdays and the just chewing sunflower seeds. And it just wasn't my speed. I needed, I needed the, the week of preparation, the buildup, the, you know, the strategy, the, it just, I learned that baseball wasn't, I didn't want to coach it. I love to play it. I just didn't want to coach it. And um, my third year, you know, I, that I was there, I became like the video coordinator, the DFO, the quarterback coach and the bus driver. You know, I had, <laughs> they tried to do the best they could to give me some more money. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't much. I mean, it was, I had to work about four part-time jobs those first three years just to live out there. But um, you know, it, it was a great experience. It was a good opportunity just to, you know, fail at coaching, you know, just try to run an individual period and maybe run a drill where the kids are like, what the heck are you doing? You know, or, you know, just trying to find my voice as a coach and, you know, technically have my own room to coach, you know, at the D3 level and, you know, try to influence these guys, learn how to recruit to a school where you need a 31 on the ACT to get in. Um, you know, it was just, it was a good experience and, um, you know, I, I'm glad I did it, you know, looking back, maybe I, maybe I would have left earlier and tried to take the next step, but you know, it worked out, it worked out well. So. And then from there you, uh, decided to uh, move up, right? Yeah. I, uh, I decided that I needed, uh, I needed more competition. I needed, uh, you know, I like high stress situations and, I wanted to try to get to the highest level possible. Um, and I knew that I had learned at a GA job, you had to be at a place and, you know, know somebody to get a GA job. I mean, the thing, it wasn't just an apprenticeship anymore. It was a job. And uh, so I, I was like, you know what, I'll volunteer at a D1 school. And that, that's the only way I'm going to get in. Um, so I just saved money. And I wrote handwritten letters, emails to every D1 program in the country and heard back from a few, but nothing, nothing stuck. And um, until Louisiana Lafayette called one day and was like, are you serious about volunteering? And I said, absolutely. I was like, I'll leave right now. I'll leave right now from California, drive to wherever the heck you guys are. And uh, Lafayette, dude, the Cajun yeah. brother, let's go. The Cajun, the Cajun capital of America. And uh, that guy's like, you know, that we're kind of different down here. And I said, hey, I don't care. You know, you got D1 football? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'll be there. And so then he's like, okay, let me call you back in a week. And Coach Whalen, you're part of this story. Um, so then I, my parents had planned a trip out to California to see me. And I met him in Las Vegas. And uh, standing, we were walking down the strip in Vegas. And um, I, I get an email from UCLA, the director of operations at UCLA. He had answered an email I had sent or a letter I had sent months ago. And he said, hey, you know, signing days in a couple days or maybe a week after signing day, we'd like to bring you in and interview you for our volunteer, you know, recruiting analyst job. And I was, you know, head over heels. Within an hour, Louisiana Lafayette calls back and offers me the volunteer job for real. And so now I had no idea what to do because I'd rather be at UCLA, you know, than Louisiana Lafayette. And so I called you, coach, and I called you and said, hey, what do I tell Louisiana Lafayette? And you were like, you're looking at this all wrong, man. You got to go to UCLA and tell them you got a job offer. We need to speed this up. And I remember just like freezing in my step. Like, I got to tell UCLA that they got to, <laughs> you know, speed this up. Like, what are you talking about? And uh, 
So I ended up calling him back or yeah, I called the DFO at UCLA and said, Hey, I've got a job offer at Louisiana Lafayette. I didn't tell him it was a volunteer job. I just said, but I'm in LA right now. I could be there tomorrow. Um, and he's like, all right, let me, let me figure something out. He called me back that afternoon. I was in there the next day. I drove back from Vegas that night, uh, was in there at seven in the morning interviewing with the guys at UCLA. And that, that next night they said, uh, you got a volunteer job in the recruiting department. And so, that's how I, that's how I got to UCLA. I mean, it was just, it was crazy how it happened all in one day. And, uh, and then at UCLA, I was unpaid for about four or five months, um, living on a couch. And then, uh, someone left, I got a scouting job in the NFL. I got the full-time recruiting assistant job, but I was kind of weaseling my way in with the quarterbacks coach every morning and every night. And like, you know, doing his PowerPoints and just kind of made sure everybody knew that I wanted to coach and not be a recruiting assistant. And eventually um, I got a, you know, an offensive analyst job. And then, um, you know, I, I was lined up to be the offensive GA and just had a bad year that year. And the offensive coordinator got fired. They brought in Jed Fish from uh, Michigan to be the offensive coordinator. And he had his guys, you know, it's just, things that happen in the business. And thank goodness, you know, I, I had been around for a couple of years now and Tom Bradley was the defensive coordinator on defense. And uh, he's like, Oh yeah, we'll take kale. He calls me kale and uh, <laughs> we'll take kale. And um, so I became a defensive GA there and that was awesome. I, you know, that experience was amazing. Just learning the game from the other side of the ball for the first time in my life. And um and from there, when Coach Moore got let go, Coach Bradley called Randy Edsel. He called Joe Moorhead for me. He called everybody and uh, ended up getting on the phone with Coach Edsel. And, uh, you know, he had he had a, another GA position on offense at the time, and he also had a defensive analyst that was like a full-time job. Um, and then when I got there, I thought I was going to be the offensive GA. And turns out that that GA didn't leave. And uh, so I went and did defense for a year um, and then just some lucky things happened. And, I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough where s some pieces moved around and uh, instead of moving me over to offense to be a GA, you moved me over to be the uh, running backs coach. So I got, I got very lucky. So what was your first year? What was your first year at UConn? My first year at UConn was, uh, I got to count backwards. Um, 2018 was the first season, I think. Okay, yeah. and now I'm going to ask you a, a simple question. I'm kidding, obviously. What was, what on earth was it like? I, we all have stories. Coach and I have stories. You know, I lost 150-plus games. I had to change careers overnight. Coach uh, obviously has had to deal with a lot of unhappy people and, uh -huh. have, you know, reinvent the wheel. But what was your year like? Because, you know, basically everyone else in Division One football, for, for those of you who aren't paying attention, you know, the Ivy League dropped out and the NESCAC dropped out, but at the D1A level, at the, you know, at the, at the highest level, UConn is one of the, one of, if not the only uh, full-time Division One schools that did not play any football this fall. So what was that like for you guys? Yeah, we were one of two. I think uh, University of New Mexico or New Mexico yeah. State, one of those didn't play. They actually are playing in the spring, though. So we were the only ones to sit out for a year. Um, maybe Old Dominion, but I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, it was when – I'll start in the, in the summer when we still had the idea that we were going to try to make it work. Um, we had all the guys back for the summer, initial two-week quarantine. You know, we had to have them working out in pods of four guys, just like the suites that they lived in. They would each have their time in the weight room to work out just so, you know, for the, for the first month or so. And then we kind of grew those pods until we had, you know – where there were 20 guys in a group and, and then all of a sudden somebody would, you know, test positive and then you'd have to shut it down. And it was kind of a stop and go during the summer. And then when, you know, training camp was about to roll around, I think they delayed the start of the football season and we were allowed non padded practices until they decided on when the season was going to start. And there was one of those practices where we had 32 guys on the field for practice there might've been like 70 something guys in quarantine and you know, just, we're just sitting there as coaches, like, how's this ever, ever going to work? You know, 
and the anxiety of the players, like, no, am I going to be a positive today? Am I going to, you know, be contact tracing? Am I going to have to sit out? Um, it was just, you could just tell that it, no matter what, it was going to be a very, very difficult year. And so what I thought was great was that Coach Edsel, he, had a, he has leadership council, and he brought kind of those leaders together after speaking with the coaches and just kind of said, hey, guys, you know, this is how we're going to have to live and operate for the, you know, foreseeable future. And he goes, you guys are going to get this year back no matter if we play or not. The NCAA kind of said, hey, this year won't count against your eligibility if you play one game or you play 10 games. Um, he's like, you're going to get this year back. But we're, we were 60%, you know, sophomores and freshmen, very young, young team. Um, and he kind of said, you know, it's up to you guys. You want to try to play like this or you want to just forego the season this year? We'll spend all this time in the weight room. Um, we'll still practice a couple times a week. You know, we'll focus on what we do and not anybody else. Um, you know, kind of we could be the ones to, to do this first. And kind of in our minds was that there were going to be a lot of other chips to fall at some point. Um, and, and at the time, we, we all were bought in. And it was a huge relief. You know, I will say once football started to be, you know, football games were getting played, it was hard to watch right. and hard to be like, dang, I wish we were preparing for a game right now. But at the time, it was stressful. And, you know, when we kind of could re not relax our social distancing measures, but kind of not worry about an opponent at the end of the week or not worry about how are we going to get pads on these guys and make them wear masks or do this or that. And, you know, and then all the travel restrictions hit for Connecticut. Like we had games in Tennessee, we were playing Ole Miss. We were playing, I mean, we were playing everywhere. And, uh, and we were just like, we we're not even gonna be able to travel. And so it just got, it, the, the outlook was very grim. And once we made that decision and just said, hey, let's worry about this team we got. Let's, let's get in the weight room. Let's get bigger, faster, stronger. Let's know our offense, know our defense in and out. You know, that's all we have to worry about and is what we, how we execute and what it did for our team and, and the young group, the core young guys that we had coming into this spring ball. I mean, I've seen our defense at its worst. And, you know, when I first got here and, and to where it is now out on the field, there are some guys on our defensive line that will be some of the best that we'll go against all next season. And, you know, we have a tough time playing against our own couple of defensive linemen. They're amazing. Um, and they put on weight over this year, over this season. They avoided injury, not playing in the game, and they got this whole year back. And they're a year older. Um, you know, was, I think in the end it was the best decision. And talking to peers around, around the country, a lot of them are like, man, you know, playing three games, you know, looking back on it, going through all that with a month in between a game, you know, they're like, it was miserable. And they're like, you guys made a good decision. So I think our, our players are happy with it. We're back on track now. You know, it might have been tough at the in the moment, but nobody's lost nobody's lost any time, and um, we're very healthy right now and, and ready to roll. I'm sure as a as a already you mentioned a young team, a rebuilding team, plus the also the factor of you know not having a conference and being an independent school. So you guys kind of had the flexibility and the leeway to not feel the pressure of you know other schools relying on you for games. And and I can tell you as a proud Mississippi State grad, you know going to Oxford, the cesspool that is uh, Mississippi <laughs> University. I wanted to see the Grove, man. That's overrated, dude. Any okay, okay. Pool is the same thing as the Grove. The other well, we get to go down to Clemson this year, so. That, see, that's, that's, a, that's actually an actual football school. You know, you're not going to have to deal with, um, you know, uh, you know, fake traditions for, for a team. Kiffin. Or anything, so. yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, but in all seriousness, you know, it, it's got to be nice to not feel those pressures because – when you're trying to build something, a lot of times, and Coach could speak on this, you know, even though winning and losing, you could say it doesn't matter, it matters. It impacts the room. So to have a chance to really build up your guys and see them on a day-to-day -day basis in a different atmosphere where they're not, you know, being held to the fire of, of wins and losses, I'm sure in the long run, that's gonna, this is going to be a very beneficial year for you guys. No, no question. And you could see the numbers and just the raw data of how, big, how much bigger they've gotten and stronger. And, but the – just the culture on the team and going through that together. Um, and I think we're at a point where 
you know, we love our roster. Um, we love it. And there's some young guys that if we had played, they, they would have never seen the field their first year just because they were young, just coming into college. Now I've got, you know, three freshman running backs that I feel like have been here forever and, you know, just fully confident in those guys. And, and I think that's the same for a lot of positions that, that the young talent we brought in, they don't seem very young to us. Um, it, it was like a, it was a bonus, a bonus extended spring ball, really. You know, it's like the spring ball mentality for, you know, the whole fall and it, which is just development, refining your fundamentals and techniques, focusing on your job, not, not going against anybody, you know, yeah, you're, you're going against our own defense, but we're not game planning them. We're doing our stuff. And, uh, I think we're going to see that benefit hopefully come, come this fall. And, uh, you know, you could see it in the spring ball too. One of the things, Kyle, we talked about, uh, we've talked about with, um, you know, other, other folks that, um, you know, pursued, have pursued, you know, uh, either college or professional uh, coaching careers, scouting, those type of things is, um, and you kind of, you kind of touched on it uh, earlier when you were talking about, you know, all the things that you were able to do at, um, at UCLA and, um, you know, how, you know, how you, um, you know, even though you were, your primary, you know, assignment was recruiting, you know, you, you, you found a way to, you know, get yourself into, you know, the, uh, the offensive offices and to do all those oh, yeah. other things. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, you know, the favorite part, my favorite part of the whole thing is, is just trying to articulate to people, you know, that, that, that grind, you know, that coaching grind of, you know, what it takes. I know you were pretty modest there and you said, you know, I, I, I got lucky and, you know, I ended up being the running back coach. I, I can tell you, you don't get lucky. You know, you, you, you earn those, you earn those opportunities and you earn those opportunities because, you know, you're, you're willing to grind and, and head coaches recognize that and they, they, um, they uh, identify talent and people that, you know, fit what they're looking for and, and uh, so just talk a little bit more about, you know, kind of, you know, that mentality you have to have, you know, you, you talked about, you know, Hey, you know, early on, you didn't make a lot of money, you know, you had to work three or four jobs, you know, yeah. like you know, it, it, it's not an easy path. No, it, it's not. And, and luckily I was, I was aware of it coming in, um, you know, coming out of college and I knew it was going to be tough. And, um, but I, I knew as long as I loved it, you know, that I would do whatever, whatever I needed to do to continue to be able to coach the sport. Um, you know, at UCLA, I just remember in my interview to be a recruiting assistant. All they cared about on my resume was that um, one of my part-time jobs when I was at Pomona was I was a, I worked for a catering company in LA. Um, and I, I started washing pots and pans like at four in the morning and then I'd go to Pomona and coach. Um, but eventually I started going to like catering events and I had that on my resume and that, that's all these recruiting guys wanted to hear about because they're like, we're going to have official visits and dinners and, you know, this, that, and the other thing we're hosting recruits. Um, and you know, that kind of background is going to help with handling, you know, do you know what a carafe is? And, and do you know how to like get, get the votive candles out and then all this stuff that you don't think goes in the, you know, running a football program. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm telling catering guys, no, do it this way or do it that way. Or, you know, we have to, we have to have these things fired up by 545 because we've got guys coming off of the, you know, coming off the freeway from the Rose Bowl to, you know, eat dinner and they're, but their mom's in the hotel. So she needs, she needs to be over here early, whatever it may be. Um, all those little things that you don't think you're going to use in life. Um, like they show up in this business because it's, you know, 10% of the job is on the field. And, uh, you know, it, that was, I'll never forget that interview. It's all they wanted to know about was that in, in a ranch I worked at in Wyoming when I was in college. But other than that, it was, there was nothing about football. Um, and I, I kind of I learned right there, like, okay, you know, it's going to be a while, you know, it's, I, I just got to, you know, get in and do, do what they asked me and do it the best I can possibly do it. And I just remember my, my rule going in was never say no to anything. Like, Hey, can we do this? Yeah, sure. I got it. I got it. Like, I remember the, uh, that now the program I use all the time, but Exos video 
is the, you know, the big film video. And I remember they were like, Hey, you know how to use Exos? And I just said, yes, right away. I had no idea how to use Exos. <laughs> and, but you know, I just, I got on it. I like poked one of the GAs, you know, our, our office where eight of us worked, we called it the sweat box, you know, it was like a closet. And, uh, I remember saying, Hey, just give me the cliffs notes of, of Exos like right now. And it was just like a quick thing. And I was like, all right, if I got any other questions, I'll ask you. And I was making cutups of recruits and, um, all of a sudden, you know, I was just experimenting late at night with Exos and, and learning how to, you know, make auto cutups and all these things. And just what helped was just being in the building, I think, and hearing guys, hearing the GAs complain about something or hearing, um, you know, the, a, a running back coach down the hall ask for something. And, you know, what are you doing that? What is that for? And just, just trying to learn anything I could possibly learn so that, whenever somebody asked for something, if no one answered, I, I'll do it, coach. I'll do it, you know? And, you know, what's funny is I, I definitely rubbed, you know, the football AD's feathers the wrong way a little bit, um, you know, when I was the recruiting assistant. Um, you know, he was an old ball coach that had been the head coach at Memphis and um, all over the place. He'll, he'll be mad if he hears this, that I didn't mention everywhere he's been. But um, he ended up at Jenna in my wedding. So he's a good friend now. But uh, at the time, he, he thought I was a little pest because I was always sitting in on some, you know, meeting because, the, the, you know, the offensive coordinator was like, yeah, come on in. He didn't mind, you know, come on in, learn something. And, you know, there's so many rules in the NCAA of who can coach, who can talk to players, who can do this, who can do that. And, you know, I will admit I was trying to push the boundaries, man. I was, I was so eager. And eventually, you know, the, the time came where I was given an opportunity to be called an offensive assistant and eventually a GA. And um, I think just, it came from never saying no. It came from, you know, you know, what they always said in, in every, you know, staff I've been on, no job too small. And uh, you know, it was, it was uh, a very, very good place to be um, because the staff was so big that sometimes in a big staff, um, you get a lot of guys that may not do some certain things because they think maybe somebody else is going to do it. And I, I've just seen that with a huge staff, you don't doesn't necessarily mean you get more done. And uh, I just found little things that I could try to put my imprint on the program somehow. And you know, and I one of my part-time jobs when I was at Pomona, I was working graphic design at like an e-commerce company. And so when I first was at UCLA, I started just making graphics, random graphics for um, players or coaches or a recruiting graphic of stats that, you know, number one, most applied to college in the country, whatever it may, may have been. I was just trying to do anything to, to leave my imprint on the program and, and quite frankly, just get noticed, you know, does coach Mora know my name, you know, does he know my name? And uh, you know, I just made sure I, there, there are so many, so many things that went into it and just being there early and never leaving. And that, that, that helped, that really helped. And then, and then we can't, we can't really move on from UCLA without, without telling everyone really the highlight of your entire UCLA experience was the person you met there and you referred to her earlier. So tell us a little bit. How, uh, tell us yeah, little so bit. I, uh, I was living on, I was living on a student's couch, um, who was like a student assistant. He let me sleep on his, or not his couch, in his kitchen on an air mattress I bought. And I drove him in every day at 4.30 because he set up a tempo machine to run practice. And that, that's really why the deal was I could live for free if I drove him into work at 4.30 in the morning, which was great. Now I was there, you know, at 4.30 in the morning and I had to be. And so that helped. Um, so I'm living on his couch and there's a nice young woman that's working in the, you know, admin side of the athletic department, she ran travel and she was the, you know, kind of game management, everything, you know, outside of football that goes into traveling and running a game at the Rose Bowl. And, and she kind of did that for football. And so she was always around and she'd talk and she knew a bunch of guys on staff who had been there and she was friendly with everybody. And, and her and I talked every once in a while. I remember she was taking the California driver's test and she needed a lot of help and I helped her out a little <laughs> bit on the, you know, on uh, some of those questions. And, uh, and eventually, 
you know, we went out on a couple dates and uh, she'll laugh because she says I never take her out on a date. But, you know, we did. We, we, we hung out a bunch and, um, you know, eventually I moved off of the couch and I moved in with Jenna, who became my fiance. And uh, then I moved her out of California and brought her to the East Coast. And, you know, I have to thank you. The best thing that's happened to me is she's now working at Wesleyan. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm so happy to still be connected that way through Jenna and hearing stories about coaches that I played for and, and people that I love that are, are still the same at Wesleyan. And it's, it's awesome to have that a part of my life again. Well, I can tell you right now, we're, we're thanking you because she's an incredible asset to my administration team and she's the best. We love having her and, oh, thank and you. Uh, so happy it all worked out and, and so happy that you're doing, you, you know, you're doing so well at UConn. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an awesome, awesome time, especially since we got here. And, you know, she, what's great is, you know, I moved her from, she had an unbelievable group of friends at UCLA that they still talk all the time. Um, and now her at Wesleyan, her and she's got a whole crew that, you know, they're, they're, they're inseparable. No question. She, <laughs> yeah. She, she, yeah. Is the, she is the, uh, she is the social director. She, yes, runs, exactly. she runs the department. Oh boy. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but that, you know, that means so much that she can experience some, some of that Wesleyan culture that, that I got to. And it, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, here's something we do at the end of every episode. All right. I've heard a little bit about this. Time for the gauntlet. So if you've heard about it, you're prepared. You're ready to go. Kind of. I forgot everything I thought I was going to say. So It's all right. It's all right. That's perfect. That's even better. Coach, I'm going to lead it off. Kyle, we're going to ask you 10 questions. We're going to bounce back and forth. They're all Wesleyan-based questions. Answer them honestly. Just the first thing that pops into your head. No pressure. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Who's your favorite professor at Wesleyan? Oh, it's, uh, it's got to be Galarati. And I never even took him in a class. I just I love, him, <laughs> love him, love him. Yeah. He, he, for those for those who don't know, he loves he's he's uh, Coach Woody has made him an honorary baseball coach, and he he's gone on the spring trip. And yep. Professor Gallarotti is, uh, is that's a, where we became we became very close on those spring trips. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He'll love he'll love the fact that you just said that. <laughs> All right, who's the most influential person in your life? Uh, it's got to be my sister, my sister Abby. Yep. I wouldn't be who I am today without her. All right. I think we know this, so I'm going to change it up a little bit. Oh, boy. What was your favorite job that you had between high school and college? So between 16 and, and 22, your favorite summer job? Ooh. Oh, I worked for a landscaping company in uh, Steamboat, Colorado, the summer after freshman year of college. That was number one, number one. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I mean, the landscaping, you know, I mean, Steamboat, being out in Steamboat, Colorado must have been fun. That, the that was awesome. I was, I was knee deep fly fishing in a river every single day. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Oh, come on. No, I, I, I'd rather die. I'm going to take that. I'd rather die. <laughs> yeah. Good answer. Good I answer. thought I could answer the question. I really did. I thought about this for a week. Like, you know, what would I say? <laughs> I can't choose. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. All right. When you, were, when you were five, what'd you want to be when you grew up? Oh, a truck driver. That was number one. Nice. Like a cross-country truck driver. What's the best piece of advice you received in your life? Uh... Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, focus on the job you have and the job you want will eventually happen. You know, nice. that was a Coach Mora saying all the time. All right. In, in three words, describe your Wesleyan experience. Delta, Kappa, Epsilon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, what do you miss most about Wesleyan? Oh, I miss the people. I miss the people in, in five o'clock dinners, you know, in the off season. Every, every day the football team would sit at the same table, you know, getting the same dumb arguments about something in sports and culture. I mean, the conversations of, with the people at Wesleyan, I'll miss the most. Those are the best. 
tell you, it's all about the food, man. It's all about the food. It's it's something about, about the food. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best Wesleyan highlight, in your opinion, from the last 20 years? Oh, and I haven't heard anybody say this. And it's got to be, I think, Coach, it was 2011. When did the wrestling team win the New England championships? That was 2011. Yeah. 2011. Uh, like Rich Luchter and Luke and uh, – oh, my gosh. And uh, Coach Desenzo was kind of running the game management or whatever, the yep. scoreboard or whatever it was, and he needed a volunteers. I had never seen wrestling in my life, ever. And – I just volunteered. I wanted to hang out and be a part of it. Being in the gymnasium that night when we – I think Luke had to win yep. that final, right that final match. Yep. Yep. Oh, it was electric. I mean, it was unbelievable. And that was just something new. I mean, new to me. I had never been to a wrestling meet. And just that was, that was awesome. Had yep. to be the highlight. That, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Coach Black will love you for that. Uh, <laughs> Who is the West alum you'd most like to have dinner with? Coach Belichick. There you go. Yeah. Okay. You're done, dude. You passed. Oh, wow. That was painless. Painless. Yeah. Yeah. Looking painless. Yeah. So one one thing, one last thing thing before we get you out of here is just uh, one piece of advice. What's one piece of advice you want to, you want to give to, to folks that are at Wesleyan right now, student athletes at Wesleyan that listen to these podcasts. Uh, the one thing I'd say is, you know, enjoy the, enjoy every moment while you're there. It goes way too fast. Um, some people that you, you know, I would say to the young people, the freshmen, sophomores, like there's so much more to Wesleyan than that first little bubble you come into with your team in sports. Um, you know, by, by your junior, senior year, you're going to have friends that are directing plays and, um, you know, just in all sorts of different things. And I think that's the beauty of Wesleyan. Um, and I found that that's when it really became, you know, what it means to me today. It started to happen once, once I met just the, all the different people that, that were into different things and, and just open up your world and um, just take advantage of everybody, you, you know, everybody you meet, have a conversation with them, ask them what they're into, because I'll tell you what, the people they, they accept there and bring in there, they, everybody's doing something amazing. And, uh, you know, enjoy it. And, you know, it goes way too fast. I'm sure everybody says that, but it really does. It's amazing how fast it goes. It's awesome. Thank you, guys. That is class of 2012, current University of Connecticut running backs coach, Kyle Weiss. He has been our guest tonight for the coach. Mike Whalen for the producer, Mike O'Brien. I'm Chris Grace. Until next time, you've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box, where your only official Wesleyan Athletics podcast. So long, everybody.